them Indiana boys on an Indiana night. The Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student-athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today with me is 1997 Indiana Mr. Basketball, Luke Recker. And hopefully later on during the show, Mike Mincer, who is the, a member of the Indiana State University Athletics Hall of Fame and also an Indiana All-Star in that same year, 1997, will also join us. But... For right now, we're going to start out with Luke. And Luke, thank you so much for spending some time with us to help keep the nostalgia alive. I know you have a busy schedule. I know you have uh, uh, children and stuff like that. And we appreciate you, uh, your help in keeping the nostalgia alive. No worries. Happy to join you. It's always always fun to talk to me in high school hoops. Uh, Luke, what's your what was your first recollection of the game? And when did you know that you wanted to focus on it uh, to the point that you did? Well, I grew up with four sisters, and my father was a was a basketball player growing up. Played collegiately at a small college in Ohio, and was actually a head head basketball coach, varsity basketball coach in Ohio for a few years. He got out of teaching, got into business, but he kind of you know introduced us to the game at an early age, and just fell in love with it. And um, you know, it's something that was a part of our family. And um, for me, I was you know I think a lot of times it's just. You know, you kind of intrinsically motivated to get out there every day and, and play the game. I just enjoyed it so much. And uh, some of the best memories I've had with basketball are just my time playing growing up in Indiana. Was there anybody that you first emulated your game after or patterned your game after? You know, this is kind of so strange. But uh, the first guy I really fell in love with as a player is, is Jimmy Jackson from Ohio State. You know, people would expect it to be, you know, an Indiana player like an Alford or Bailey or Calvert Chaney, but I just loved how Jimmy Jackson played, um, and he kind of was the guy I tried to emulate my game after. 
So when did you, seventh, eighth grade, is that when you started to, uh, uh, did you mature a little bit faster than the other guys? Um, yeah, that's probably when I started to stick out a little bit. I actually, it, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, Fran McCaffrey, who's now the head basketball coach at Iowa, who's actually my neighbor, uh, wow. was, an assist, was an assistant for John McLeod in, at Notre Dame. And I went to a Notre Dame basketball camp when I was in seventh grade, and I realized that uh, McLeod, Coach McLeod and Coach McCaffrey were watching an awful lot of my games. Well, in seventh grade, you don't really think much of it, but thought it was kind of cool. And they ended up calling my parents and kind of starting the recruiting process when I was in seventh grade. So I, I've known Coach McCaffrey for a long time, and now we you know, have friends with him here in Iowa City, and we're happy to have him here in Walker. So, so did you get letters from universities and colleges before you even played a high school basketball game? Yes. Yes. I did. I mean, it, it was mostly, you know, growing up in Northeast Indiana, it was mostly, you know, basically Notre Dame, I think Purdue maybe, and obviously Indiana started the career process with me pretty young too. So it was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, you know, as a kid, I knew it was, you grow up and you work hard and, you know, I knew it was pretty good, but I didn't know at what level, obviously. And to get those were, uh, get those letters and calls were exciting time for, for a young kid. Tell us, tell the audience a little bit about DeKalb and the area, and what kind of history did they have uh, with their basketball program before you arrived? You know, it wasn't a very rich history. You know, they, they you know, obviously there was one class basketball at that time, and you know they've gotten to a few regionals and obviously some sectional titles in there, and um, but nothing. You know, they never participated in the Final Four or anything to that extent. They had actually, I think they won. 0 and 20 or 0 and 18, like prior, like when I was in middle school. So it was almost impossible to get people to go to the games. But then the co- my, my coach came in, uh, Cliff Hawkins came in, and he kind of changed the culture and uh, immediately got, you know, the community interested again. Not that there was ever a lack of interest, but I think what he did was, you know, started kind of a grassroots level and getting young elementary school kids excited about it. He just kind of built this program there, and he did such an unbelievable job. And um, a guy that I'm really indebted to for for instilling a lot of work ethic into me. And uh, gosh, again, the memories that he helped create were just fantastic. So, what was it like? You got there as a freshman. Do you immediately yeah. start? I. Uh, so my freshman year, I ended up, um, I was on varsity right away, uh, and I first five games of the year I did not start, but I was playing very, very well, and uh, there was actually a senior, a guy by the name of Nate Tatman, who went in to Cliff Hawkins, our head coach, office five games into the season and said, listen, I know I'm a senior, but it's evident that Luke should be starting over me, and wow. that was kind of it. The rest was history, and very cool. I mean, I was welcome. There was a group of four seniors that year, and, you know, they welcomed me with open arms, and, uh, you know, it says a lot. They were really unselfish kids that they were willing to let a freshman come in and, and play that role. So, you know, I'm very thankful for those guys, and they're all very success, successful human beings today, and there's, there's no question why. What sectional were you guys in up there in DeKalb? What were the other teams in your section? Oh, gosh. It was like, uh, you know, it was – I'd say Garrett, Indiana, um, Fremont, Hamilton, a lot of small schools, quite frankly. It wasn't the typical, you know, we, we didn't have the Fort Wayne school feeding into our sectional at that time. I believe they do now. But it was a lot of smaller schools, and 
Angola, Indiana was one where Charlie Wills played who went to the University of Wisconsin. And, you know, it was cool, though, because these schools, these smaller schools, these 1A or 2A schools were playing a 4A school in DeKalb. And it was exciting. You know, their whole town would come, and there, was, there wasn't an empty seat in the arena and, or the, the high school gym. And it was uh, it was a special time in the high school basketball. My senior year was actually the last year of one class basketball. And, you know, I was, I'm kind of, from a nostalgic standpoint, I'm a fan of the of the old olden days when they only had the one class. So it was, it was a fun sectional. But it wasn't, you know, we weren't playing uh, Marion's or, you know, Indianapolis, Ben Davis, for any stretch of the imagination in our sectional. What was the atmosphere like at your home gym? What, I mean, was it pretty ruckus? Was it a, a pretty good-sized gym? Yeah, I think it seats about 4,200 people. So pretty good size. You know, it's not like there were so many big high school gyms in Indiana. It wasn't as big as, obviously, like Logan Sports or Marion's or Anderson or Newcastle, obviously. But it was a great atmosphere. Um, you know, by the time my junior and senior year, I mean, it was tough to get seats to go to the games. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was packed to the rafters every night. So it was a lot of fun, but also at that point, I'd already committed, I committed to Indiana University after my sophomore season. So, you know, you started to get, obviously with the, the Hoosier fans that are there, a lot of those people start coming to our games and stuff. So it was, it was, uh, it was an awesome, awesome atmosphere. At DeKalb, what kind of tournament success did you guys have when you played there? You know, it was, uh, it was pretty good. We, I think we went, we won sectional every year. And then we ran into uh, Bishop Dwanger in Fort Wayne. I think my, my freshman year would be a team, Leo, who was undefeated, or a guy named John Newhouse, played at Butler. And uh, they were undefeated. We beat them in the morning game. And then in that evening game, we got beat, I believe, by our Bishop Dwanger. And then uh, we, my sophomore year, I think the same, I think we got to the regional finals. Junior year was a real heartbreaker because I believe that was probably the best team I played on in high school. Um, we had a kid named Jeremy Feaster on our team who played at Wisconsin Green Bay. Was a good player, six five shooter. Um, a couple other guys are pretty good players, um, and we lost twice that year. And they were both to Bishop Blanger. and uh, Bishop Blanger had DJ Coretta and a few other guys, and they ran a triangle two on us, and that triangle two just just crushed us and destroyed us. And it was a hard fall game. It was a low scoring game, but they beat us, and that was. Uh, in my opinion, probably the best team I played on. But then my senior year, we got to the semi-state finals and got beat by Kokomo. And uh, Kokomo ran a switching defense and Basil Bobby was a coach and um, just couldn't get by him. I mean, we we won against Fort Wayne in, in, in the regional finals. We won uh, against uh, Fort Wayne Southside for Cameron Stevens played at Purdue. And uh, we won a last-second shot. And I got to the semi-state, and we won the first round of semi-state against Plymouth, and then the second game we got beat against Kokomo. So one, one game shy of state tournament, state finals, I guess. When during your high school, like just before your senior year started, did it did it creep into your mind, or did you have to push it out of your mind that you you were probably going to be Mister Indiana Basketball, or did you did you not even think about that at all? I honestly didn't think about that at all. Um, you know, it was always a goal of mine, but it was so far down the list of goals. I remember, you know, in high school, Coach Hawkins came in and he said, listen, our goal is to win a state championship, and if we don't win a state championship, you know, that, that's got to be our primary goal, number one. And everybody was so focused on that that 
individuals just kind of came after. And, you know, I've told a bunch of people this, like, I'm very proud of the fact that I was Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, but I can remember the phone call when I received it from the Indianapolis Star saying you're, you're Mr. Basketball for the state of Indiana. And trust me, it was great, but it has no feeling that you get, like, winning the game on a last-second shot or celebrating with your teammates in the locker room. I mean, that, that's what was really special, and that's where my biggest memories come from. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I've interviewed Kent Benson, I've interviewed Rick Mount, I've interviewed Dave Magley, all uh, former Indiana Mr. Basketballs, and they said they had to keep it quiet for a little bit. Did you have to do the same also? You do. Um, and the reason you have to keep it quiet is because I think it's in the contract with, I don't know, Indianapolis Star or whatever, when they release it, with you in the number one jersey in the paper. So you have to go down to Indianapolis and you have to take your picture with the jersey and then you know, they put in the paper, whatever it is, like a couple of days later, that you're the Mr. Basketball from the state. So, yeah, I, I did have to keep it quiet for a little bit. How hard was that? Um, <laughs> you know, I obviously shared it with my family, uh, but it was, it was uh, you know, there's speculation that I had won, but, you know, I don't, I don't think it was that difficult. Like, I, mean, I don't really specifically remember, but, you know, I don't know. I didn't want to be running around around tell everybody I won Mr. Basketball anyway because <laughs> might come off as a little bit arrogant. <laughs> did uh, 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 Michael Mincer was supposed to join us today? We'll get him on at a different time. But did you uh, did you know about Michael and did did you feel like you uh, that uh, you know him down at Batesville? Did you know about him going into your senior year? Absolutely. You know they did this like junior senior All Star game where the senior Indian All Stars would play against the junior All Stars. Uh, prior to them playing Kentucky. So I got an opportunity, and, and obviously AAU basketball was kind of catching on big at that time, so I had an opportunity to play against them in AAU as well before we joined forces and played on the same team. And he, he was a great player. I mean, really, really, really fun to watch, but even better was to play with him. And he was just not only, about, not only a great player, he was just such a nice guy, a good person, hard worker, just great leader. Um I said, if there's only one regret I have, it's the opportunity that I didn't get the opportunity to play with him more. Now, my, my question is, it, it's interesting because I run IndianaBasketballMemories.com and also Indiana Basketball Memories website on Facebook. And anytime I put a Michael uh, uh, a Michael photo on there or your photo on there, your guys, whoever fans, just go ballistic and crazy. So, I mean, and you would think by reading all these comments that you guys feuded or had a feud, but there's, there, there's nothing like that. Oh, my gosh. No, we're buddies. We've always been, <laughs> we've always been friends. Uh, no, it's, that's what's so crazy. I mean, even the guys you compete against in, in the college level that, you know, from other Big Ten schools or other, you know, butlers or better days, they're all – you know these guys on a personal level, and you you know you get to become really good friends with them. And I tell you what, there's not a better person than Michael Mentor. and his family is fantastic as well. I mean, his mom Jenny has sent us Christmas cards for years, and um, his sister, Michael's sister, actually actually who is now married to Greg Lansing, head basketball coach at Indiana State, he was my assistant in college at the University of Iowa. So I've known the Mentor family for a long, long time, and uh, they're all just solid, wonderful people, and uh, Michael as well. Michael's been a, a good buddy for a long time, and in my current job, when I retired from playing professionally, I now work for a medical advice company, and Michael's cousin is involved with this company, and Michael actually called me and said, hey, 
I heard you might be interested in this job. Let me call my cousin. And uh, it's funny how it works, but no, Michael is uh, Michael's the best. Well, you know, the Indiana basketball fans, they have a passion, and it's just, it just cracks me up to see all the, I mean, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys when the, uh, you, both of you guys are mentioned, and it's just, you know, it's just funny to see. But, you know, perce- there's perception and there's reality, so that's really neat. I mean, it's, it is it's hilarious. I mean, even like, you know, like uh, Jerron Cornell, who's up in Clay High School and, you know, played at Purdue, people would think that because he played at Purdue and in my time at Indiana that we were, you know, we were actually really good friends. <laughs> you know, he's a great guy. So it's uh, it's funny how that, you know, how that works. But Luke, what would have been the next closest college jersey that you would have worn out of high school besides Indiana University? What what uh, what what made your choice to go to Indiana University? Indiana University, and what other school was high up there that you possibly would have went to originally first? You know, it's a great question. I I don't know because Indiana Indiana offered me so young. I mean, I was I don't know, 15 years old or something. I was sophomore in high school, and and. I guess I just took it immediately. I didn't even really think about it. Um, you know, had I, had the recruiting process played out, I probably would have considered, you know, some of the traditional powers, uh, I guess, maybe. And, and again, I never got to the point where I even had official offers from them because I committed to Indiana University as a sophomore. And basketball is unlike, you know, football, if a guy makes a commitment, everybody still recruits you. And basketball, people kind of honor that verbal commitment. So I really didn't have any other specific offers, but I would assume that uh, there would have been some. So I don't know where I would have went, to be honest with you. I mean, at that time, I probably should have, you know, thought more about it and, and really examined my opportunities. But, you know, I don't regret anything. I had a great experience in my time at Indiana University. I learned a lot. And thank you for the opportunity they gave me. Luke, tell us a little bit about the Indiana All-Star experience. I mean, did you did you guys uh, did you guys gel as a team? Did you enjoy playing both of the games? Did you have any stories from the Indiana All-Star experience? I loved it. Um, you know, our coach was a guy named uh, uh, Marty Johnson, who was coaching he coached at East Noble High School, and they were actually in our conference, and they were a big rival of our team. So when he got the job, I was like, oh man, you got to be kidding me, because they ran this flex offense that was you know, methodical and they dribbled and you know, beat the ball to death. There was no shot clock. They were low scoring games. And, and quite frankly, he ran that offense because I think that was conducive to his team. Um, kind of like a Dick Bennett style almost maybe at Wisconsin. But, uh, he let us play, man. He was wonderful. Uh, I loved playing for him. Wonderful guy. Um, great experience. A lot of the guys on the team, you know, I had obviously prior experience playing with through AAU. So I, we, I knew everybody on the team. We all had a blast. We, you know, we, we got along really well. Um, it was great. I mean, we, uh, we won in Indianapolis at old Marcus Square Arena, but then we, uh, we took it on the chin down in, uh, down in Kentucky. I remember that, but, uh, it was, it was a wonderful experience. I'm thankful I had the opportunity to do that. Got to spend a couple of weeks with some great guys and, um, develop some, you know, lifelong relationships. What were some, if, while you were in high school, what were some of the, the places that, I'm not going to use the word hate, but let's say disliked playing? Or you disliked losing to particularly? East Noble was right up there. They were a conference <laughs> rival. And uh, thankfully, we didn't lose a lot. And so East Noble and Bishop Dwyer. Bishop Dwyer, the Catholic school in Fort Wayne. Uh, gosh, they just kind of seemed to always have our number. Um, they, were, they were a good team. Um, but from a talent perspective, I think we made it a little bit better. But they just had our number. And so it, Bishop Dwayne was always a tough one because they knocked out of the tournament a couple of times. And then uh, East Noble, because they were 
conference rivals. So without question, those two were far and away the, the most difficult. And then thankfully, you know, didn't lose a lot. I mean, I lost twice my junior year to Dwanger, and then my senior year we lost a couple times down in the Hall Classic. And um, but no, it was, it was getting back to the question. Those two teams by far, Mission Blanger and East Boys. What was the biggest adjustment that you had to make going from high school ball to Division One basketball? Um, size, speed, athleticism. I mean, you name it. It's just it's so different and. <laughs> The advantage that you have, kids now, even more so nowadays when I played it, you play against all these guys in the summer. You know, so we'd spend the summer playing against, uh, you know, the Shane Battiers and uh, Elton Brands and Mike Bibbies and all these guys that, you know, and we'd play them prior. So you'd see, for instance, like a Mike Bibby, you'd play him in the summer and then you'd go see him play in the national championship game. Like, well, I played against him. I know I could play at that level. So it immediately gives you that confidence. But the difference is, Everybody can play at that level. I mean, guys are, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth man coming off the bench who are all high school all-stars. So it's uh, it's a huge adjustment. I, I think the biggest thing is you got to play 100% at all times in the court. In high school, you can take a player too off, and your athleticism will probably get you by. But at that level, it's just – it's different. And, of course, tonight would never accept anything less than the best. So that, that was the biggest adjustment. Okay, was there was there ever once you got started your freshman year at Division One level was there ever a wow moment or uh, you're like oh I can't believe that just happened to me or look I've got to focus on this. Um, I think the biggest wow moment would have been my first game. I mean, it, and it wasn't necessarily had anything to do with like on the court. I think it's just you know the first game in Indiana I played first official game obviously had some preseason games but was we played at the Spectrum in Philadelphia against Temple and when you walk out to the court you're like oh my god there's a great Philadelphia 76ers play here and uh there's John Chain from Temple and um oh my gosh there's Dick Vitale for ESPN I mean that that's the kind of stuff that was the wow factor you know just suddenly holy crap, I've been watching this my whole life, and I, suddenly I'm here, you know what I mean? Um, and I think, you know, the, again, the size of the size of the big guys. Is, is, that's why I think it's always tougher for a high school kid that's a big guy, a seven-footer, to come in and, and play well right away because, you know, they're obviously going six five centers, but at that level, they're all seven-foot tall, and they're all athletic, and they all get the rebound and go straight up and dunk it, and I think that's kind of, from a physicality standpoint, that's that's the biggest oh wow. Let, let's go back to what I asked you in high school too. What were the toughest places to play uh, during your college career? Who were the worst fans, the worst rambunctious fans that you uh, had to put up with? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, obviously, since I had kind of a crazy journey in college, going to multiple schools, uh, you know, it was awesome when I played in Indiana because Indiana fans were great, but playing against Indiana at Assembly Hall is not very fun. I can tell you that. Uh, that was down, that's probably on the top number one most difficult experiences for me in college basketball. Um, Michigan State was a very, very tough place to play. Obviously, they had some really good teams when I was in college and won national championships. So the end zone is, and, the, and the Breslin Center has never been kind. Um, you know, I, I, those two come to the top of my head. You know, Assembly Hall and, and Champaign uh, isn't the most beautiful building in the world by any stretch of imagination, but it's really certainly a tough place to, tough place to play. Um, <laughs> road games in college in general are tough. They just really are. So, 
you know, no, there's not one that comes to mind as ever being an easy place to play. But the ones I mentioned were certainly the, the, the probably toughest to play at. What, uh, uh, what, when, uh, so was it a special feeling when you got to knock Indiana out of a Big Ten tournament in your senior year? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was an emotional feeling. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it because there's some really, I mean, trust me, I have some really good memories and friendships from people from Bloomington and Indiana University. And, uh, you know, it was a really important place and part of my life. And, um, I just, uh, you know, I think the criticism you received, and, and, you know, there's the majority of Indiana fans are great fans. However, you know, it's those few that are, uh, that kind of stuck out and, you know, criticized me and went out of their way to try to hurt me or my family's brother, some of the words they said. And that, so that's why it felt good. I mean, you know, kind of, uh, retribution, I guess. But it was, uh, it was a great feeling, a great memory, but, you know, it's been a long time too. <laughs> Luke, can you tell us? Can you tell us a little bit about the accident and how rough was it to get back into uh, playing shape and playing form? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was hard. I mean, you know, when I tra- said I was transferring, when I was transferred to Arizona, I obviously show up to uh, in Tucson, and I I can't even play. I've had, I had pins in my wrist. I have a cast on. I have, uh, you know, healing scars from my, from my, you know, my, my cuts on my head and hands. And that was hard. Uh, and also, you know, anytime you go through something like that, you know, there's a mental aspect of it as well. Like just getting back to the, the competitor, you know, the competitor that I was. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy time in my life. I think it's probably emotional and scars and mental things were just as, as tough at that time. So yeah, it took a long time to get back and then I finally felt like I was getting back and then, you know, I had another a knee injury that came after that. So it's injuries are part of it. Um, you know, I wish you didn't go through them, but that's the world of sports. So you finished up at the university of Iowa and it, 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 how do you, what's your mindset on picking your path? to play professional, you play, end up playing professional basketball outside of the United States, correct? Yeah, yeah, I played seven years. So, obviously, like anybody, I mean, you, everybody dreams of wearing an NBA uniform and playing for 10 years and retiring and doing what else comes next. I mean, that was obviously my goal. I, I worked hard to, but I just, you know, I think some of the injuries might have taken some of the athleticism I had away, uh, which is a huge advantage. I tried to compensate and did, you know, I did the best I could, but I just, uh, you know, the tough part about the position I played is you get to that next level and, you know, suddenly you're guarding, you know, Kobe Bryant took the balls of LeBron James and, you know, being, I don't know if I ever recovered from the quickness and, and jumping ability that I had prior to that the accident and my knee injury. And that just kind of kept me from that elite level. Um, I was super close and, you know, I had, cup of coffee there but I, I, I had the opportunity to go to Europe and play for six years after that and um, that was a wonderful experience you know my wife and I got to see the world and um, play some really really high level basketball and with some you know, and create some memories that I'm really thankful for. Uh, any championships while you were over in Europe? Uh, you know I played a final four over there for the European Cup which was great and um, 
nothing, nothing big. I mean, I played in two of the best leagues. I played in Spain for four years and Italy for two. And, and those are, you know, two of the best leagues in Europe. So, uh, some of the better, you know, playing against like the Mark Gasols and, uh, and Ricky Rubio's, and all, you know, all the, it seems like all the guys in, you know, the Europeans that are in the NBA now are the guys I was playing with and against over in Europe. So wonderful basketball, uh, and uh, great experience. What's your mindset or what's the thought process when, when we all get a little bit older and you think, you know what, I don't think I can play this game at the highest level that I've been playing at. And when, how did you make that decision to, you know? Yeah. So I had just concluded a two year contract with my team in Spain and there's a number of factors contributing. The, the biggest and most important factor for, for contributing my retirement was my daughter had just spent her first year of life in, in Europe, which was wonderful. But, uh, you know, being away from family and uh, I traveled a lot when I was over there. So my wife and daughter would be, you know, at home and I'd be in Lithuania or Serbia and she'd be back in Spain. And that was hard. And, and truth be told, you get to the point you realize you can't do it forever. And, you know, you can make a good living over there from an income standpoint, but at some point you're, you're still going to have to get a real job and uh, use that degree you got from college. So we kind of, uh, the biggest factor without question was, you know, we didn't know how far we wanted to be away from families and, and the comforts of the United States, you know, with our kids growing up, with our daughter growing up at that time. We just only had a daughter at that time. And then uh, to further help make my decision a little bit easier, that was kind of in 2008, 2009, obviously we had the financial crisis that hit. And really teams were cutting back on the amount of money they were paying players over there. So my contract had just ended and I could I could have kept playing. I probably could have kept playing for four or five more years if I wanted to, but the money was starting to go down a little bit, and we decided that, you know what, there's there's a good opportunity for me to start my career in the United States or in business or wherever it may be. Uh, we're going to have to take a hard look at it, and it, it just so happened I did. So. Did you have a did you have a coaching itch or anybody who wanted to try to get you into coaching? Or um, I did. <laughs> I did, trust me, because like, that's all you know. I mean, I grew up playing basketball my whole life, right? and I had, you know, if you looked at my resume, it was basketball, 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 and it was all camps or professional teams or speaking engagements for camps. It had, you know, it had no business. It's, it's scary because you're 31 years old with the, with the family support, and what are you going to do, you know? So I wanted to coach, but then you start to really dive into it, and you're like, you, know, you realize how difficult these coaches' lives are. I mean, they are golf and recruiting, and, and, you know, they pay their dues. I mean, Unless unless your father's a big time coach and <laughs> brings you right in, most of these guys are working their way up to grad assistant positions, and then they go from a grad assistant to a director of basketball operations at Middle Tennessee State for a year, then they go to Montana. I mean, they're just the the road to get there was is treacherous, and at that time in my life, even if I was twenty six, twenty four, I probably would have taken it. But where I was at with my family, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get into business and. Really happy I did, and uh, life could be much better right now, so excited about it. And how many children do you have? We have two. We have a six-and-a-half-year-old daughter uh, and a four-year-old son. So really uh, fun times. It's uh, They're great ages, and, you know, they're still happy to have mom and dad around. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's It's been a blast. The most important thing that, you know, obviously we'll ever do in our life is, is raise our kids. So. A lot of similarities between Iowa and Indiana? There are. There are. You know, uh, Iowa City is a wonderful place. Uh, very, very similar to Bloomington. 
you know, they're similar sized cities and obviously everything here pretty much revolves around the university. Um, we love it here. I mean, great education, uh, very safe, um, you know, great restaurants. And then, you know, for entertainment value, pretty much, you know, go to football games or basketball games or gymnastic meets or whatever university, you know, brings in. And so it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's been an ideal place for us to raise our kids and hopefully, you know, we'll be here for a long time. We obviously have, you know, you don't know what the future will bring, but, you know, we, we have no plans of, of leaving anytime soon. And you gave us a little bit of your opinion on the class basketball and how it used to be in the state of Indiana. Would you really like it to, to go back to the way it was and you think it ever will? I don't think it will. Um, will I love it? Absolutely. You know, it's, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And it wasn't broke. It was special. And that doesn't mean, you know, it's it will be hard for these single class A schools to get to the state championship. Or yeah, of course it would. But what people understand is these class A schools playing at Indianapolis and Davis or, or Marion or, uh, or Washington or Evansville school like that, that is, that's their state tournament. And, and that gives them an opportunity to, to knock off those schools in terms of setting it. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I don't necessarily, this is my opinion. doesn't mean it's right, but I'll never, I'll, I remember the single class and obviously Damon Bailey and, uh, and who's your dome and 40,000 people. I just don't think you're ever going to have that again. Luke, what's the mystique of the Indiana Mr. Basketball Award? You know, do you, you still get recognized? Do people still, you know, what has it really meant to your life? And is it, you know, I, I would I would probably put it up there as an Academy Award winner or Grammy winning. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, at least, at least you know, with, with my passion and love of basketball. But what, yeah. what, what, what did that award mean to you? Or, and like I said, do you get recognized or you think about it every day or? Uh, I, I honestly, I don't really ever think about it. You know, it's just weird. I, I, it's it's just weird. I know. I mean, people will bring it up to me though, and it's uh, it's cool. I mean, I'm super proud of of the award, no question. But uh, it's, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, people still recognize me for yeah, they do. Um, but less in Iowa. I mean. Obviously, you know everybody. Everybody knows Indiana as a Hoosier state and their, you know basketball state. That that makes it cool, you know. So it was probably more when I was still playing. How you Mr. Basketball, you know? Because if you look on that list, there's some incredible names. So uh, I'm certainly very honored and privileged to, to be a part of that that fraternity. So uh, it means a lot, but it's not something that I, that I dwell on or think about, or for that matter. You, you know, uh, in high school, college, or even professional, what's what's your weirdest memory, or just it was just a, a crazy thing happened, or you know, a, a, a the, the lights went out, or there was someone you were guarding, yeah. you, you know, what what was the craziest thing that happened in any of those uh, levels of? Uh, oh God! You know, I've had so many crazy experiences with basketball. It, it, they've all been. You know, such such wonderful experiences, really. I mean, I've had the opportunity to meet my heroes, uh, my idols, uh, from Jerry West to Magic Johnson. I've had the opportunity to guard Michael Jordan, you know, I've guarded LeBron James. I mean, I just, those type of things to me just are, are fantastic. Um, and, and I feel very privileged. I had the opportunity to travel the world to, for this game of basketball, which is, you know, I feel so fortunate. Um, the weirdest thing that's ever happened is, is European basketball is uh, 
it's weird how they do it. You're the first division and the second division and so on and so forth. But if you finish in first place or second place in the second division, you move up to the first division in Europe. And if you finish in second, last place or second to last place, you're relegated to the second division. And it's a big deal. I mean, the, the equivalent would be the Fort Wayne Mad Ants or the NBDL winning the NBDL and suddenly on the NBA next year and the Toronto Raptors in last place is suddenly down in the minors. I mean, it, it's crazy how they do it, but that's how I do it. And when my first year in Italy or second year in Italy, we played a team that we were fine. I never played on a team that was relegated, but we were playing a team that had they won, they would stay in the first division. If they lost, if we beat them, they were going down to the second division. And the whole crowd is there. We're playing on the road. They're going crazy. And I mean, it's Southern Italy, and uh, we happen to win. And it's a close game. And they immediately storm the floor. And they're like, come trying to attack us. And they have police with shields out trying to protect us. And uh, I played, <laughs> it's hilarious. I played, I, I, that year I played with a guy from, he played at Pitt. His name was Siobhan Troutman, big guy. And this little tiny guy comes like up to him and swings at him. He, so he swings back <laughs> and <laughs> knocks the guy out. And we get to the, the locker room and they literally have this riot police in front of our locker room protecting our, protecting our locker room. And I'm just, I'm, you know, on my cell phone, call my wife, like, oh my God, you would not believe we just had I me. Mean, she could see that we won the game. But she, I'm in my locker room now. It's like a mob, you know, they're screaming in Italian. You're like, what the heck are they saying? Uh, you know, and anyhow, long story short, they, they, the police get a, uh, I should say long story long, because I'm rambling about it, but the police get this line. So we have this access to our bus and we take these jackets and we put them over our head because they're throwing stuff at us. <laughs> we, get on, we get on the bus and to, to take us back to our city and the next thing you know, a brick comes flying, flying through the window. Oh, wow. And then, and then we, the police escort us out of there. People are like shaking a bus and there's like a mob scene. And we tried to get on the interstate, on the Italian interstate system to get back to our city and fans are blocking the interstate. I mean, it was just crazy. So, uh, you know, everybody was fine, but the passion for, uh, um, the passion for basketball is crazy there. Uh, one last question. I'll let you go. And once again, I appreciate you, uh, keep helping us keep the nostalgia alive. And that is, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, we have Purdue fans that, uh, listen to the, uh, the show and we got to throw them a bone occasionally. And, uh, wh what was that? What was the rivalry like, you know, the couple times that you played Purdue while you were at Indiana University? It's, it's a great college rivalry. Um, Purdue, you know, always had, it was really special when it's Katie versus Knight, you know, two icons and uh, numerous Big Ten titles, uh, fours, you name it. It was, it was a really, really incredible game. Um, you know, Purdue having, Purdue was really good. They had Brad Miller and Mike Robinson, John Cornell and McQuay brothers. Uh, it, it was, it was a rivalry like no other. I could tell you that it was, uh, you know, obviously, never been a part of the Duke Carolina rivalry or Michigan Michigan State, but I think Purdue Indiana is, is up there with the best. I mean, what, what's the did you guys have relationships with the players from Purdue? Did you guys play ball together? Was it like we were chatting about earlier about uh, your relationship with Mincer? You know? Yeah, it was. I mean, I played ball growing up with those guys. Uh, you know, I played on an AAU team with Jerron Cornell and that Cam Stevens, Jamal Davis guys that eventually transferred out of there. 
uh, Carson Cunningham. Um, I knew all these guys from, from playing pickup ball in the summer. So, and Brad Miller, you know, was from my area of the state before he went off to Maine for prep school. So, knew all those guys very, very well. Um, you know, they had unbelievable staff. Uh, Bruce Weber was on staff there with Katie. That was Purdue was, uh, you know, a wonderful basketball program, and, and you know, still is. So it was a wonderful, wonderful rivalry. Rivalry, and just very thankful I got to be a part of it. Luke Record, nineteen ninety seven, Indiana, Mister Basketball. Thank you so much for helping keep Nostalgia alive and spending uh, uh, an hour with us today. And uh, I really appreciate your time, and I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy this. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Uh huh.